other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Well, we knew this day was coming. It was really only a matter of time. In fact, it may be a little bit overdue. What do I mean by that? Well, historically in New York, at least in the last 60, 70 years of history, whenever the mayor and the governor are of the same political party, they butt heads like crazy and they feud publicly. It happened with Ed Koch and Mario Cuomo. It happened with Rudy Giuliani and George Pataki. And certainly it happened with Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo. And finally, now it appears to be happening with Governor Kathy Hochul and Mayor Eric Adams, as I predicted over a year and a half ago. The leaders of New York City and New York State have seemed to turn on one another after the state sent a scathing letter accusing the city of resisting its help and being slow to act. In the letter, which came about Tuesday night, a lawyer representing Governor Hochul faulted Mayor Adams' management of New York City's migrant crisis in sharp terms. The letter blames the city for being slow to act, saying the Adams administration ignored a suggestion to begin setting up large tent-based or base campsites for single adult men beginning in June of 2022, waiting months to do so. A lot of what she's saying seems to ring true. Here was Governor Hochul on New York One. Let's be very clear. You cannot involuntarily take people from the city and send them all over the state of New York. Putting someone in a hotel on a dark, lonely road in upstate New York and telling them they're supposed to survive is not compassion. In response, Mayor Eric Adams pointed out what New York City is already doing. If her observation is that here's some things that you can do differently, we're all in. One thing no one is stating that we didn't do. We've housed 100,000 people, unlike any other city. I have to tell you, some of the governor's criticisms may be on the money here, but I think the mayor's point is right. I mean, New York City is 43% of the state's population. How about we take 43% of the migrants? Instead, we are taking 99% of the migrants. And for the governor to say we can't do that because it's not humane, it's not fair to the taxpayers of New York City and New York State, and it's not fair to the residents of New York City that don't want these folks in their neighborhood. Beam me up! To be continued. Handling legal matters is stressful. So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I am superstar Frank Morano. We have spent a lot of time covering these whales that are dying and beaching themselves on beaches all over the East Coast. And uh, this week, the 60th whale death since 2022 continues to raise questions over offshore wind power's impact on whales and other sorts of marine life. Now, I want to be very clear. 
I think the jury is still very much out on whether the sonar mapping of these wind turbines is causing these whales to beach themselves somehow. I don't know what the answer is, but a lot of people that have brought this up and that have looked at this, they do believe that there's a strong case to be made that it does have something to do with the planning stages of offshore wind energy. And we see on Saturday, New Jersey lifeguards discovering this dead humpback whale washed ashore, the latest in a string of unexplained deaths of various whale species on the East Coast. So I don't know what the cause is, but I do think it's worth looking at. And I think it's fair game to explore whether or not wind energy has played a role. Well, Facebook is censoring information about the relationship between industrial wind energy development and the increase in whale deaths off the East Coast. Michael Schellenberger said this week both Facebook and Instagram, which are owned by Meta, censored a Facebook post from him linking whale deaths to wind energy off the coast of the United States. The censorship came on the exact same day that Public and Environmental Progress released a new documentary called Thrown to the Wind which I haven't seen, but which purports to prove that there is, in fact, a relationship between offshore wind energy and the whale deaths. And in this documentary, there's supposedly powerful new scientific evidence that the wind industry is responsible for the increase in whale deaths. I don't know if that's true, but I don't think there's anything wrong with somebody as respected as Michael Schellenberger putting that out there on social media. Why would Facebook and Instagram be censoring this? If Facebook wants to be the modern day digital town square let it be because this is awfully reminiscent of when they were censoring information about the covid lab leak theory and censoring other information related to covid which turned out to if not be proven true at least be proven very likely censorship whether it's corporate or governmental in my view is very rarely the answer and i don't think it's the right answer in this case we need more discussion not more censorship beam me up to be continued the other side of midnight local spotlight I know we have a lot of people listening to this program who used to be housed at Rikers. An interesting article in the newspaper The City. Thousands of former Rikers detainees are eligible to claim millions in commissary deposits left in their account. Despite a mandate to return funds, the Department of Corrections is holding, you ready for this? $4.2 million for people that it claims it can't locate. One one how hard they're trying. But sure enough, former detainees at Rikers and other city lockups have a total of $4.2 million in commissary accounts waiting to be claimed, a figure that's on the rise despite new legislation requiring jail officials to do more to refund the money. The unclaimed millions are tied to 319,419 commissary accounts as of May 1st, according to the Department of Corrections first report on this. Multiple deposits might be connected to people detained more than once, but the huge number of unclaimed accounts indicates that the number of detainees eligible for refunds is in the thousands. So hopefully the jail officials will do more to give the money back to a mostly low-income population where every dollar can make a difference. But if you were housed at Rikers, I would suggest that you 
reach out uh, to both the New York State Controller's Office of Unclaimed Funds and the Department of Corrections to see if there's any money that you are owed because this is a travesty. Why should the Department of Corrections get to keep it? It's not their money. It's your money. It's money that was sent to you by family members or friends, and that shouldn't be able to be just kept by the city. Former detainees can get their money back in person at the department's cashier windows at the entrance of Rikers, or they can give the department an address to receive a check by mail. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. I don't begrudge the mayor, whoever he or she may be, for having a robust press operation, especially in a city like New York. New York has one of the most large and active press corps in the whole world, sincerely. So you need people to deal with that. You have people reaching out to you 24 hours a day. Anytime something goes wrong in this city, the mayor is expected to have a response. So I wouldn't begrudge the mayor for having a press secretary, a communications director, a deputy press secretary, a deputy communications director, even a press assistant or a communications assistant of some sort. However, I must say, I was perplexed that City Hall Press Secretary Fabian Levy this week was promoted to Deputy Mayor of Communications, and this puts him in charge of Mayor Eric Adams' direct-to-constituent communication strategy, which includes a radio show now, which is done on a semi-regular basis. It includes a podcast. It includes a newsletter. And I'm not saying Fabian Levy is not capable. He certainly is. But why does he need to be made a Deputy Mayor? What this looks to me like is the mayor is taking someone that he likes, that he gets a with personally and professionally and giving him the title of deputy mayor so that this person can make $250,000 a year in taxpayer money. It's not clear to me what this new role is going to include that his old role as press secretary didn't include. And in some ways, this is similar to what he did on public safety. Every other mayor had a police commissioner and a fire commissioner that were accountable directly to the mayor. Mayor Adams creates this new position of deputy mayor for public safety and the police commissioner reports to that person. Now we're going to have a press secretary and the press secretary is going to report to the deputy mayor of communications. What's the point? Why add these extra layers of bureaucracy, especially when the mayor himself says that we are going to be facing a significant budget gap because of this migrant crisis? It makes no sense, and it looks like the only place where there's a limitless amount of money is on the mayor's staff because he has no shortage of friends and associates to hire at very nice salaries. By the way, Deputy Mayor Levy, if uh, you're hiring for your old position, let me know where I can submit my resume. Beam me up! To be continued.